Welcome, everyone, to the Shadows of the Moon podcast. I'm your host, Shadows of the Moon. If you're new here, welcome. This is the place where we talk about paranormal, cryptids, UFOs, self-help and self-love, with some witchy talk thrown in there. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you like the show and be a part of it for a long, long time. If you're a returning listener, well, welcome back. I hope all is well with you. You know how this works. Grab yourself a drink, come sit by the cauldron, and let's shoot the shit for a while. And remember three things. One, new podcasts are every Tuesday. Two, we go live every Thursday on YouTube, DLive, Twitch, and Facebook. Just to sit around and, once again, shoot the shit live. So come on by and jump in in the conversation. And three, if you would like to share a story, you can find all the links over at shadowsofthemoon.net and everything you need is right there at your fingertips. And of course, links are always down in the description. So let's get this show on the road, guys. Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Shadows. I am back. Finally, 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 over my C word. <laughs> that doesn't sound good, but you know what I mean. I had the vid, I had it for a couple weeks, but I'm back. I might, uh, my voice might sound a little bit strange, but it's only because of the fact that I'm still having a little bit of a lung problem. I'm okay, I'm fine, it's just lingering. So, if I have to catch my breath, I'm trying not to have the microphone up my ass because, you know, I don't want you guys to hear me breathe. Um, but if you can hear any of that stuff, I apologize. But I am back. What is going on? And today, we are talking about haunted objects. Now, let me tell you something. I've done many of shows that we've talked about haunted objects before. But doing research on this one, let me tell you something. I realized that there's a lot more haunted objects in this world than I thought. <coughs> Excuse me. What I mean by that is there is just a lot to get to today. So first, let's go ahead and get to the news of the week. So the first thing that popped up when I was looking for news was a woman captures Bigfoot on a trail cam. Now remember, all of these links are in the description below or over at shadowsofthemoon.net. There's going to be quite a few links and pictures this week as all the haunted items and things that we've discussed. So let's get to it. So a woman who had been checking a remote trail cam in Washington State came across something unexpected. When Carolyn Day ran through the images captured on a remote woodland camera set up in Washington's Snoqualmie Valley, sorry if I butchered that, she expected to see deer, you know, bear, cougars, other wildlife. Instead, however, she saw what appeared to be a large man covered in hair. She said, I just checked my camera that's deep in the woods behind Mount Sai in the valley and either there was a Sasquatch in the area or I'm being 
expertly pranked. Now this picture, I will say, it definitely looks like it could be a prank. But who knows? Like I said, the link's over in the uh, shadowsofthemoon.net. Go check it out. Leave me a comment. What do you guys think? Um, she said the curve of the calf and the way it bends from knee and the length of the arm to the way the head sticks out over the shoulder hair, not a seam, both skin and hair on face, deep eye set. I can't see no eye set unless I'm looking at the wrong picture, but because the picture I'm looking at is a profile and because of the sun glare and everything, you can't really see anything, but the image shows, she says, the mysterious figure entering the frame from the left-hand side of the, with the bright sunshine streaming through the trees, illuminating one side of it. There does appear to be a hint of hairiness in the figure. It does. I'm not going to lie. Um, however, it's unclear as to whether it's a creature or simply someone wearing a thick coat and hood. It, I, I will say... The picture definitely looks human. Um, it looks, from the trees around it and everything, it looks like a human. But I will say it does look hairy. It does look furry all over it. You know, not our kind of hair. Um, maybe the top. But the body hair does look pretty furry. I don't know. You guys check it over check it out leave me a comment let me know what you think our second story comes from unexplained mysteries and you know that cute little sheep from you know Shaun of the sheep you know the count the sheep before bed what's that commercial i forgot what commercial it is it'll probably tell me but anyway Shaun of the sheep will be flying around the moon on artemis one how cool is that? ESA has announced the sole crew member of Artemis 1, and it's an animated sheep made of plast plasticine. The inaugural flight of NASA's Orion spaceship, or spacecraft, which will fly around the moon before returning to Earth, won't have a human crew, but that doesn't mean that there won't be anyone on board at all. The European Space Agency has this week announced that Artemis 1 mission will in fact have one crew member, Shaun of the Sheep, an animated plasticine sheep from the Ardman animations, which is perhaps best known for creating Wallace and Gromit. The character, who hails from Mossy Bottom Farm near London, will hitch a ride on ESA's European service module and will voyage where no sheep has gone before. This is an exciting time for Sean and for all of us at ESA, said ESA's Dr. David Parker. We're woolly, ha, huh, get that? Woolly, W-O-O-L-L-Y, very happy that he's been selected for the mission. And we understand that although it might be a small step for a human, it's a giant leap for lambkind. And if all goes planned, Artemis 1 will launch either in late August or early September. How cool is that? Shaun of the Sheep making history. Love it. 
All right, guys. Our next story comes from unexplainedmysteries.com. <laughs> it comes from um, Cornwall, where ghost hunters photograph an eerie figure in a derelict church. So paranormal investigators have captured an image of a mysterious figure in an abandoned church in Cornwall. Known as Pennegaggers Paranormal Pansies, the group, which consists of Mark Earl, William Ives, and Ollie Earl, have been doing a live stream investigation at St. Day's Church near Red Ruth last December when some of their viewers noticed something unusual in one of the windows. The building itself is direlet. And the upstairs floor is missing entirely, meaning that there's no way there should have been anyone up there. There's no one inside for the church, so it's been stripped out. And they said as they were walking down on the live stream, you can see an outline of a girl in the window. Our viewer said the same thing, That's, um, that it's a little girl. It's shaken us up a bit, but we're not the type to make things up. We'll say it's nothing if we investigate somewhere and it's nothing, which that's what great paranormal investigators should do. Um, The mystery figure, which seemed to be dressed in white, appears quite clearly in the photograph. But is this really evidence of the paranormal? Is there a more conventional explanation? You decide. You let me know. Again, the link is over at shadowsofthemoon.net on the podcast forum. You let me know what you think. I mean, it does, it looks kind of boxish to be, that's just my take on it. I mean, it looks like a head. I could see hair. If I was to be a little girl, I could see that. Um, but I don't know. You let me know. Some of this uh, might be not brand new news to you, but it was news when I, you know, was planning on doing this podcast. And as you know, like I said, I've been sick, so I haven't gotten around to do it. So this is talking about Pentagon. The Pentagon, of course, renames and expands its UFO office. So the U.S. government, some of you might know this, some of you might not. So... You know how it was named ATIB, right? So the U.S. government's office, officially UFO investigation office, is being rebranded just after eight months on the job. Cough, cough. Um, Formerly known as the Airborne Object Identification and Management Group, the office is now being updated and expanded to investigate more than just unidentified flying objects. The new name will be ARO, A-A-R-O, which means Airborne Object Identification and Management Group. Um, Its expanded focus will look into what's being referred as to transmedium objects, unidentified vehicles capable of operating both in the sky and under the sea. So the definition also applies to objects capable of transitioning from flying within Earth's atmosphere to flying in space. 
The updated name reflects the group number of reports from U.S. Navy personnel involving objects that have been seen emerging from the sea or moving into and out of water. Whether or not the public will actually get to hear about the group's findings, however, that remains to be seen because they haven't said anything about it. Now, going with this, I do have a question. Let me go ahead and find it. So, Nick Pope, anybody who's into UFOs usually knows who Nick Pope is. He's been on Ancient Aliens. He's been on every show. Um, he is the, um, he ran the British government UFO project, basically, right? And he posted something up on Twitter the other day. And I actually asked Ryan about it. Because Ryan, my son, if you don't know, um, my son is, he knows what I do. He comes into the shows sometimes. But he's not one to be into the paranormal UFO cryptid, you know, like mom. Um, he believes that there is, there's got to be life out there besides us. Um, but... As far as the UFO community, you know, he's not, he doesn't follow it, to put it that way. So, but I, Nick Pope posted this the other day on Twitter, and he wrote, One scenario is true. One, we're being visited by aliens. Nobody in government knows. Number two, we're being visited by aliens. Elements in government know, but cover it up. And three, we're not being visited by aliens. Elements in governments are pushing a narrative that we are being visited. So one of those scenarios are is true. Which one do you think it is? Ryan, who is in the National Guard, you know, obviously he he's he's been in five years. Um, you know, thinks it's number two. We're being visited by aliens and elements in government. No, but are covering it up. Now, like I said, he's not a big UFO buff like his mom. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. But I thought it was interesting to ask him, what do you guys think? And why would Nick Pope post this? Do you know what I mean? I just think it's odd that somebody that, you know, has a take on the UFO, has been in the British government's UFO project, posts something like this without just coming out and saying it. I mean, I don't know how it is in the British government, but I don't know if he'd like, um, it was explained to me that like when you get out of service, you still have clearance for five or six years, usually, um, your specific clearance, right? So I don't know if the British government is the same. I don't know how long Nick Pope has been out of the government. Um, and if he still has clearance over there, obviously, I don't know how that works because I'm not from British, you know, Britain or Europe or anything like that. So I'm not sure. But I just think it was odd that he, you know, he posted that. I don't know. Maybe it's not strange to you. Is it strange to you? <laughs> Let me know over in the podcast forum. 
Um, I'd really like to hear from you guys because I just thought it was weird. I'm just like, you know, it has to do with the new photo that was shared and everything like that, obviously. But I don't know. I just thought it was weird why somebody would post something like that, especially Nick Pope. All right. Anyway, moving on. We have a CCTV footage of a weird stick-thin creature, okay? Now, I watched the video. I don't know, guys. It could be a very skinny human, but it looks too skinny, if you know what I mean, to be human. Anyway, a strange and somewhat questionable video has emerged online showing a mysterious alien-like figure. The footage, which was reportedly captured by a security camera in Red River, George, Kentucky, was posted on a Facebook by a user going by the name of Douglas Windsor McLoney III. McLooney? Loney. I don't know. I'm sorry if I butchered that. The third. This thing was caught on a security camera in one of the cottages up in the gorge, he wrote. It doesn't move like human. It moves almost like it's kneecaps are backwards which it kind of does i watched the video and like i said it'll be posted over at shadowsinthemoon.net the footage itself which is in black and white shows a stick thin humanoid making its way slowly up a driveway before gingerly sidestepping towards a parked car throughout the video it seems to maintain an unnatural semi-crouched stance Skeptics argue that the creature is either a fake using computer imagery or digital manipulation of a real person. Whatever the truth of the matter, the video is definitely unusual. So head on over there and check out that. And what do you guys, you know, definitely let me know what you guys think. All right. Our last news story of the day is mysterious sphere falls from the sky over Mexico. Now, this kind of goes with what I posted a um, couple weeks ago about strange, this podcast that I had watched that could explain elementals, could explain the grid from Thoth um, or Toth, whatever you call them. Um, there's a lot of mystery around these spheres, these UFO spheres, right? And one person claims to think that's what's making hauntings happen in housing, um, houses and in, you know, abandoned places. Um, what we're seeing in the sky and basically like will-o'-wisps and stuff like that are these metal spheres. Now, he's had one. Or, well, he didn't have one. He went and saw one. Um, and I think it was the same one that I saw on a program long ago where the father had passed away and it was kept in a garage or a, a storage unit. And they didn't know what it was. But they didn't want to get give it away. Um, it had a strange vibration to it and everything like that. I don't know if that's the one that... Um, I think his name's Patrick Jackson or Johnson. Um, what he went and saw, 
But if you ever see the sphere that's outside of the Vatican, he believes that's one of them. And he says that they're hiding them in plain sight. Now, he thinks these are what's doing these hauntings. And I will link up the podcast that I watched, um, or the video cast, whatever, the live, that I watched with him talking about it. And it's very interesting, and it's, I believe that it's, could be possible. Because he talks about how, like, up in the sky, when we see these spheres, there's always three of them. And he says they're the good guys. Basically, these spheres are the good guys, right? Um, he doesn't say, I don't think, whether I, they're being manned by anybody, but they're, it's like an entity. And these spheres, only the only reason we see them when they do turn on is because they're communicating with each other about something. And about something being in our field. And like the three, usually you see three of them in the sky because they have something in the middle of them that they're getting rid of. Whether they're shooting it down, whether they're, I don't know, evap making it evaporate. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something. They got this entity or the spaceship or whatever trapped. That's why there's always three of them. Now, the ones in the haunting, and like I said, go back and listen to the podcast to get it right. But um, the ones in the houses, the reason we hear get out and stuff like that, they he thinks that there's radiation bursts um, from these, I, I don't know, aliens or whatnot, and these balls act like a haunting to scare us away from the radiation so we don't get hurt. It's a very cool analogy of things, and um, like I said, I'll link that in the description below and over on shadowsofthemoon.net just so you guys can listen to it, because it's very interesting. I think it's interesting. Anyway, so... With that being said, this mysterious sphere falls from the sky over Mexico. Since the unidentified object reportedly landed in a tree after falling from the heavens over Veracruz on July 31st. Yesterday, it was reported that a large piece of space junk, again, this is back in July, obviously, had landed in a field in Australia and now it turns out that something else has descended from the sky over the weekend. A solid sphere that fell over Mexico has that has been since been generating quite a lot of discussion and debate on social media. TV meteorologist Isido Keno Luna has been leading um, has been leading efforts to get to the bottom of the mystery. According to his Facebook post, the object is made of either metal or hard plastic and it appears yellowish in color, with what appears to be some sort of antenna sticking out of the top. Despite the intriguing surrounding it, or the intrigue surrounding it, however, many social media users have been quick to dismiss it as little more than a piece of space junk from a defunct satellite or spacecraft. A specialized team in the, um, at the Secretary of Navy of Mexico and or the Secretary of National Defense needs to collect it 
and turn it into a special study, Isidoro wrote. He also warned locals not to touch it in case it turns out to be radioactive. The original post and photographs um, will be able to be viewed, like I said, they'll be posted down below in the description or over on shadowsofthemoon.net. So pretty interesting to me um, that one of these balls fell out of the sky. I think it's weird it came after... Um, Patrick had made his, you know, inquiry, but, or his theory, I guess. But who knows? I don't know. Maybe. With that being said, that is the conclusion of our news portion of this podcast. Now, let's get into what you're really here for. The haunted freaking items, because there's a lot of them. Some we know, some I had never heard of before, and all the links will be down in the description below. All right, guys, let's go ahead. Before I get started on the cursed items, I'm going to sit here and toot my own horn for a little bit, <laughs> for a minute, just for a second. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Listen, there's a couple different things I've been working over on shadowsofthemoon.net. Um, we now have a newsletter. If you are a part of um, either follow me on Twitter or Facebook or whatnot, you'll see the link for the net newsletter, which lets you know all the different things that have been added to Shadows of the Moon for the week. Um, it's a weekly newsletter. Everything that I do during the week will get a nice little newsletter of all the new things added. Um, say, for instance, if you're just a podcast listener, well, on my YouTube, I have daily intuitive vibes, um, which are videos that basically I throw some tarot in there with the planets, how they're mucking up our universe. <laughs> um, you know, like Tuesday today um today i totally forgot uranus is in there and mercury i think mercury is trying with unit uranus oh my god uranus sorry what can i say i'm still a brain frog brain frog yeah we're doing good brain fog from being sick but anyway um, you know, so how that mucks up your day, actually, it's actually in very positive today, being Tuesday. But anyway, I have those videos over there. Also, I have um, my affiliate links, uh, which is, one of them is Simply Earth, which I love. They're essential oils. It's an essential oil box, but you not only get oils you get recipes on different making different oils and not only that you get different um little projects like one month we got um a necklace with uh an oil ball which keeps you scented all day different little projects that you can put together and make your own little unique item for yourself 
Not only that, one of the things that I absolutely love when I do sponsorships, I look for little things that, you know, go, oh, all right. This is one of them. 13% of their profits go to end human tra trafficking, which I absolutely love. Not only that about Simply Earth, um, essential oils. What I love about them, another thing that I love about them is they harvest from small family-owned farms. So, like, they're not buying big products wholesale everywhere. They look for the smaller family-owned farms and get their um, herbs and that from there. Now, if you go over there and click on my link, if you enter in Shadows Free in the discount box, not only will you get your monthly box, you'll get a bonus big box, which has more essential oils and more things in there for you to have fun with. Also, you also... Uh, this is what I love about them. Not only that, but with that discount, not only do you get the big box, but you also get $45 off another box. So, I mean, how cool is that, right? You get all this free stuff. Plus, you get their, um, they have a essential oil hero course. They also have a free ebook with essential oils for beginners. All this stuff. Over there. Another link that I have is basically Reclaiming Zen, which is awesome because they have a lot of mindfulness stuff over there, self-development, spiritual tools, chakra collections. I mean, they have a lot of great stuff over at Reclaiming Zen. And uh, again, another great link that I'm affiliated with. The other one is Tamed Wild. Tamed Wild is you a subscription box but they have different choices of subscription boxes and um so yeah they're just really great and also profits from there go to plant trees so all right enough about shadows of the moon.net head over there see what new what's new over there of course we got the forum boards whether it be my sh the shadows forum boards which is all witchy stuff and different information really cool stuff we have the podcast talk which that's where you'll find all the links and everything like that if you donate to the page you get put on the hu a huge thank you page um that has your name up there if you donate monthly or just regular donation your name will go up there and then everything else <laughs> that goes along with it so head on over to shadowsofthemoon.net and if you like I said, if uh, you want to sign up for the newsletter and see what you're missing, you know, for the week, I will put that down in the link below, in the description below. All right, so let's get back to what you're here for. Haunted ob objects and cursed objects. The first one that we have is the cursed dresser that killed 18 people. What? Yeah, I know, crazy, right? So this, this story is considered completely authentic and can be traced back over a century and a half. As almost as all of these years, the Chester drawers was kept by the descendants of one family. So the conjured chest, described as one of the most deadly pieces of furniture ever. 
The Museum of Historical Society of Kentucky, USA, houses a seemingly unremarkable chest of drawers made of four Empire mahogany drawers. Of course, the link will be over on shadowsofthemoon.net, plus down below in the description of, for the photos. You can look at the photos. Pretty wild. So what happened was a cruel curse is associated with this dresser, the history of which dates back to the 1830s or 40s. Now, in 2017, the story of a cursed dresser was published in The Conspirated Dresser, The Cursed Family of Old Kentucky, by Beverly Maine Kunsel, who heard the story from her ancestors. It all started with the fact that a certain rich man named Jeremiah Graham ordered his black slave, Remus, to create a chest of drawers in which things were to be stored for Graham's first child, whose birth was expected in a few months. For some reason, Graham was so unhappy with the outcome that he beat Remus to death in anger. Other slaves decide to avenge the death of the relative and perform a witchcraft ritual over the chest of drawers. They sprinkled it with owl's blood and imposed a curse that killed any person whose clothes were put in the chest of drawers. The first death, not counting Remus's, associated with this chest of drawers was the very firstborn Graham, who suddenly died shortly after birth. Whether Graham knew about the curse or not, it's not indicated. But it is known that after that, Graham handed the chest of drawers to his family. After that, those people whose clothes were kept in the chest of drawers began to die in the family. However, not all died, some only because very ill and were seriously injured under unspecific conditions. Only after at least 16 people died, someone finally suspected that something was wrong with the chest of drawers. By that time, the chest of drawers was kept in the family of Virginia Hudson Cleveland, who inherited it from her grandmother, Elsa Gregory. Cleveland somehow found out about the curse and decided to remove it, contacting her maid, Sally, for this. Sally decided to use a ritual with a dead owl, and according to the terms of this ritual, if the curse is lifted, then either Virginia or Sally must die. Well, Sally passed away shortly after that ritual. Since then, the old owl feathers still lie in one of the drawers of the dresser. However, it is unclear if the spell has been completely lifted, because since then, no one has stored their clothes in the dresser anymore, of course. So... They don't know if it's still active. Um, in 1976, Virginia Hudson, Cleveland's daughter, Virginia Cray Hudson, Maine, donated this chest of drawers to the Kentucky Historical Society. And in 2015, Maine's daughter, Beverly Maine Kutzel, came to the TV show and told the story of her ancestors' cursed chest of drawers. Two years later, she published a book about this, as indicated above. Sixteen people were believed to have been misfortune due to a curse placed on the chest of drawers. In addition, both the chest maker, Remus, and the curse breaker, Sally, died making a total of 18 deaths or tragedies related to the chest. 1. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Graham's child, for whom the chest was made, died in infancy. 
two, Jeremiah's twin brother Jonathan had a son. This son's clothes were placed in the trust in the chest and was and he was stabbed by his body servant on his twenty first birthday. Jeremiah and Jonathan's sister in law, Amanda Winchell Graham, wife of Moses Graham, put the chest in the attic. John Ryan, a recent immigrant from Ireland, eloped with Catherine Winchell. Okay. Amanda Winchell Graham arranged for them to live in the land belonging to the Grahams and gave them the chest, which they both used. Farm life, farm life left them poor and made Catherine ill. John planned to go to New Orleans to find work, and he was killed in an accident. Then, number four, Catherine Winchell Ryan died. Number five, Louis Gregory, a child of Elsa or Eliza Ryan and David John David Gregory died around the age of 10 years old. Eliza and John David Gregory's only son, Ernest Gregory, married Stella. Stella put out her wedding dress in a chest. The couple wed in 1895, and Stella died within two years of their wedding. Mabel Luce Whitehead, a relative to the Gregory family, came to live with Eliza and John, in 1884, Mabel married Wilbur Harlan in 1897. In 1901, Mabel and Wilbur had a baby named Chester, whose clothes went into the chest, and guess what? Chester died two weeks later. Wilbur Harlan's clothes were placed in the chest. Wilbur died in 1905. John David Gregory's nephew, Emmett, who was the son of John David's sister's sister, Lucy B. Gregory. Well, Lucy hid knitted gloves and a scarf in the chest for her son's Christmas gift. Emmett worked for the railroad, and one evening in December 1909, Emmett got off the train and fell 30 feet to a trestle. Doesn't say, but I'm taking it he died. <laughs> Number 10, Nellie Gregory, a daughter of Eliza and John, married Fred Frage in August of 1905. Nellie had placed her wedding clothes in a chest. Well, Fred deserted Nellie. So when Gregory's, uh, Eliza Gregory's husband, John, died in 1908, Eliza rearranged her house and moved the chest into her room. Eliza soon took her own life and died on April 4th, 1915. The chest then moved to Louisville, Louisville, with Elsa and John's granddaughter, Virginia, and her husband, Kurtley Cleveland. And Virginia put her first child baby's clothes in the chest. The baby was born prematurely and died the same day on August 8, 1915. Virginia and Kurtley Cleveland had two daughters, the second being Anne Carey Cleveland. Cleveland. Anne's clothes was placed in the chest. Anne was struck with polio around 1929. Although she recovered, Anne endured related symptoms all her life. Virginia and Curtly Cleveland's older daughter was Virginia Hudson Cleveland, whose wedding clothes had been placed in a chest. Wilbur married Virginia in 1943. In December 1944, Wilbur was rushed to the hospital for a to have his uh, um, appendix removed, 
appendectomy. There we go. And he died December 9th, 1944, from an overdose of ether. Number 15, Virginia Curtley's neighbor, Herbert H. Sonny Moore, Jr., put his hunting clothes in the chest. Moore was killed in a gun accident in his home of neighbors on April 5th, 1946. And number 16, Richard, Virginia, and Curtley's son, Richard. Oh, sorry. Richard, Virginia, and Curtley's son, Richard put his clothes in the chest and less than a week later, he was stabbed through the hand at school. So what do you guys think? That's crazy. Now that is definitely a haunted item. <laughs> Either that or a bad luck omen. My God, I couldn't imagine. And like not to figure it out. That's what's crazy, right? So another haunted painting and mind you some of these stuff I have gone over before in other stories um, in other shows but we're just doing the haunted and cursed items and like I said there's just a lot of them so the hand resist him painting and of course all these links will be over at shadowsofthemoon.net um, the hand resist him painting was by artist Bill Stoneham and is probably one of the most haunted pieces of art. According to the artist, this painting is a representation of a doorway that connects our world with the world of spirits. The owners of the painting have claimed that the characters in the picture, they move or disappear at night. Turns out the depiction was completed in 1974, like I said, by Bill Stoneham who based it off of a photograph his parents captured of him when he was a child. Soon after Stoneham finished it, it entered a gallery where it was reviewed by Las Vegas or Los Angeles Times art critic. Well, later, the Godfather actor John Marley swooped in and scooped it up. The painting's dark fame was just getting off the ground, though within six years... The gallery owner, the art critic, and Marley all died. And before he passed, however, Marley sold the painting um, and it wouldn't be seen for 26 years, popping up, up on eBay in 2000. The then owners claimed that while they, were in, they initially found the work to be quite good, it was much more than it appeared to be. The four-year-old daughter of the family came to her father one morning and said that she had seen the doll and the boy from the painting fighting during the night. So to get rid of her fears, the father reassured her and even went as far as to set up motion-sensitive cameras that faced the, the painting. However, he claimed in the eBay post that when he looked back at the footage, he saw that the boy crawled from the painting, forced out by the doll who mysteriously handheld object had morphed into a gun. The painting was eventually sold to a gallery owner who placed it in her establishment in Grand Rapids. I don't know if I'd want that painting. <laughs> if that thing keeps moving, those things... So apparently they move and then go back to their place 
I don't know. That's crazy. That would be nuts to see. The next one up is the cursed mirror. Some of you guys being paranormal investigators have heard of this. And that would be the Myrtle's Plantation in Louisiana, USA, is said to be one of the most haunted places in the world. However, the most spooky item in the house is the mirror. Locals claim that the mirror is cursed and that the spirits of Sarah Woodruff and her two children, who were poisoned by their slave Chloe, are trapped inside. Number two, well, that'd be number three, Baker's wedding dress. Inside the Baker's Museum, mansion in Altoon is the wedding dress of Anne Baker, who fell in love with an iron worker. Legends claim that inside the Baker mansion in Altoon Oh, legend claims that Anna eloped from her home to get married to her lover, but her father forcibly brought her back and locked her in the bedroom. She then refused to marry anyone else and spent the rest of her life alone. After her death, the members of the Baker family reported spotting Anna's wedding dress at different places around the house. Some of them even say they saw the spirit of Anna Baker moving around the house dressed in the same white dress. Pretty crazy, right? Next up is the Screaming Skull. So, the Burton Angus Hall in Burton Angus, England is home to a creepy paranormal object called the Screaming Skull. The Screaming Skull is believed to be one of Cath- to be of Catherine Ann Griffith, who died in the same house after being attacked by bullies in 1620. Every night, a terrifying ghost is seen roaming around the skull, making tremendous noise and scaring out anyone who tries to remove the skull. Can you imagine having a haunted item and you try to get rid of it and you can't because if you do, this ghost appears and tells you, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, no, I'm good. (laughs) The Anguished Man Painting. Fascinated by the charm of the English man painting, Sean Robertson inherited the painting from his grandmother and decided to hang the painting on the wall in his house. Well, soon after, Sean and his family started experiencing paranormal events, like the creaking of doors in the middle of the night, sudden blood-curling screams from nowhere. You know, Sean's wife decided to investigate the origin of the painting and found that the artist who painted the painting, committed suicide. And before doing that, he mixed his own blood with the paint that he used in making the painting. Learning this, the couple decided to hide the painting in the basement of their house in Cumbria. I don't blame them. I'd get rid of it. Maybe his ghost will come. I don't know. <laughs> um, the next one is the Uluru Rock is a large sandstone formation in southern part of Northern Territory in Australia, also known as the Ares Rock. This place is so sacred that the Aboriginal people of the area say this is the reason they request or rather advise the visitors not to take anything from the site. However, 
Many tourists smuggle home small chunks of the formation and experience bad luck, severe illness, terrible breakups, or even death of loved ones. Kind of like the rocks in um, the Blair Witch, not the Blair Witch. The, oh my God, I can't think of it. I'll come, I'll think of it when it comes to me, I guess. But you know what I'm talking about? In the cave, there's a witch. And if you take her rocks, bad things will happen. Well, do you do it? Do you do it? I mean, who does that? Like, you know me. I don't believe in evil. I don't believe in um, evil spirits. I don't believe in stuff like that. Um, I believe people have experiences of that. Yes, I do believe that. But I don't believe, I think it's from something else. Um, and I won't, like anything superstitious, I won't do. And maybe that's why I've never experienced evil. It's because I respect it. I learn about it. I research it. Um, you know, and maybe that's why. But I don't know. But either way, I'm not taking a rock from there. I'm not taking a piece of the um, Aries rock. It's out of respect. So is it the skeptics that tell, oh, nothing's going to happen and take a rock and things happen? That's what I want to know. Like, what's the percentage of skeptics taking the things and things happen and then the people that believe taking the things I think if you believe you're not taking the things right I don't know the next one is Petchy Island and I might be saying that wrong of course you know one of the world's most famous cursed islands the Petchy Islands is a little uninhabited Canadian island in the Detroit River a um a French Canadian family by the same of the name of Laforts established a homestead on the island in the end of the 18th century. They lived on the island peacefully with the with the natives. However, in 1883, the family was involved in a property feud with a businessman named Hiram Walker, who eventually forced the Laforts to leave the island. When leaving the island, Rosalie Lafour allegedly placed a curse upon the land, saying, no one will ever do anything with this island. The Walkers then built a huge mansion on Pesci Island, and their triumph was short-lived. However, as they all basically died shortly thereafter, and the island has been uninhibited since. So do you go test the waters? <laughs> do you go build on the island? Just to see? Who's going to be that person? I don't know. The next one is Letta. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Letta the Gypsy Doll. According to the locals of Romania, a Romanian man handcuffed a doll for his son, Oh, hand, not handcuffed, handcrafted a doll for his son, Letta. Unfortunately, the boy drowned while playing with the doll and his spirit got trapped inside the doll. The man then decided to give the doll to, to the son of one of his workers. 
Well, that child claimed that the doll talked to him, while other successive owners reported that holding the doll or being around it caused a feeling of immense grief and makes them cry without reason. That would be, yeah, crazy. Now, the next thing, I don't know if you would hold this as an item or what, but there's a Belgian, or not Belgium, sorry, Nicole. <laughs> there is a Bulgarian phone number, which was in use for 10 years, and now is closed. You can't have that number at all. Whether you considered this an object or not, it's up to you. But it was just too wild to leave off this list. In short, several people who had the phone number 0888-888-8888 have died in pretty intense fashions. So the number's first holder, former Mobitel CEO Vladimir Gershov, died of cancer at just 48 in 2001. So then, of course, the number was passed to a Bulgarian mob boss who was shot and killed by an assassin, assassin in 2003. After that, the number became a businessman, Konstantin Dishlavs, until he was fatally shot outside a restaurant in 2005. The number was suspended after that, and the mobile phone company, Mobitel, did not provide details as to why. Now, do you guys think that this phone number could be haunted? And that people that get it, like, die? Or do you think it's just a coincidence? I don't know. I'm on the cusp about that. Really am. I don't know. So the next one, of course, I'm, there's a couple I'm leaving off, which is the Crying Boy painting, which we've talked in, about before, and Robert the doll. Everybody, and Annabelle's another one. Everybody basically knows about them. Um, the ones that I'm trying to do today, I mean, there are still the Hope Diamond, Thomas Bisbee's chair. A lot of people know about them as well, but some don't. Um, so the Hope Diamond is in Washington, D.C. It weighs 45 carats. It's a violet color. And the status is basically it's perhaps haunted. So the Hope Diamond, of course, is one of the most famous diamonds in the world. So maybe this isn't so surprising. Although many have speculated that reports of a curse are simple efforts to increase the object's arrow mystery. Let's see what happens. Let's. What do you guys think? In its earliest form, the diamond, which was most likely cut from a mine in India, is said to have been stolen from a statue that it was one of the statue's eyes, and it was plucked right out of there. This thief was subject to an extremely unfortunate death. So this kicked off what seemed to be a string of upsetting fates for many of the individuals who owned or even touched it over the years. Jacques Collette died by suicide. Princess de Lambelle, I hope you didn't hear my dog fart, but if you did, I'm so sorry. Um, Princess Dave LaBelle was killed in a massacre in the French Revolution, and merchant Jean La 
Chabanel was mauled by wild dogs, just to name a few. You can breathe a sigh of relief, though, because since Harry Winston donated the diamond to the Smithsonian in 1958, the alleged curse seemed to have been stopped. No, I just don't think anybody owns it to be cursed by it. So, therefore, you know. Um, of course, Thomas Busby's chair, popularly known be known as Busby's stoop chair. This wooden furniture is cursed by the spirits of Thomas Busby, who is known to ruthlessly murder people. Before getting hung for his crimes, he requested to have a meal in his favorite local pub. And upon finishing his meal, he stood up and said, May sudden death come to anyone who dares sit on my chair. And ever since then, 63 people who dared sit on the chair met untimely and terrifying deaths. Later, the owner of the pub donated the chair to the Thirsk Museum in UK, and it's still there. So talk about manifestation. Do you think that all that energy of, I don't know, was it him killing people who sit in this chair? Or is it the manifestation of the dark energy? That's crazy. 63 people. 63 people. That's a lot of people. That's crazy. All right, guys. Well, the hour is up. The hour is up. Let me know in the comments if you want me to do another show on this because there's still a lot more <laughs> haunted and cursed items to go over. Or I can just throw them all in the... I'll do that too. I'll, I'll have all the links in the description so you can read them yourself. But I can always do another show with the other... Because there is a lot of them. Um... Just in case, you know, I wouldn't want you to go buy a thing by accident and be like, oh, shoot, this was on Missy's list. <laughs> you know. Or give a gift to somebody that was cursed. I don't know. Either way, let me know in the the comments or whatnot. And, uh, yeah. So there you guys have it. There is today's show. Next week, we are talking about the Virginia incidents where a couple of girls in Brazil saw an alien. And believe me, their uh, story, like, they're pretty convincing. Not going to lie. They're not the only ones that saw it. So it's definitely going to be an interesting show. All right, guys. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. It's so good to be back talking to you guys about this stuff. I missed it so much, so much. I have so much lined up because even though I was sick, I was, of course, still on the computer. Still, um, you know, researching stuff to talk about. So there's a lot coming up, guys. A lot in all categories. And until then, 
I love you guys. Thank you so much for liking, subbing, sharing, telling your friends. And remember Thursdays, we're going to start going live now that I have the computer in my bedroom. We can do that. We can start going live and talking about this stuff live. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show today. A um, lot of stuff to go over. Holy crap. A lot of stuff. Like I said, all the links will be in the description below or over at shadowsinthemoon.net. I hope to see you guys around. Make sure you catch me over on social media. I'll be posting more now, now that I'm uh, up and about. And uh, yeah, doing a lot of stuff over there. Um, so make sure you check it out. All right, guys, with that being said, I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care, be safe, and remember, find something today that makes you smile with your eyes. I love you guys. Until next time, mwah! talk to you next week. Bye.